You're listening to Sound Sausage. I just wanted to add one thing. You know, we can um, really break down that fourth wall and Let's let people know put a pin what in goes that. into making radio. <laughs> I'm so not used to doing this live. Is there anything about you want us to listen for specifically? Welcome to Sound Sausage. I'm Sean Rasmussen. And I'm J.P. Davidson. In an era of internet disruption and cutbacks, producers have to be creative about how they make a go of it. Veronica Simmons is a young producer doing just that. In this episode, JP talks with Veronica about two projects she's working on. One which involves braiding people's hair live on radio, and another which explores markets beyond public radio and podcasting. But first, maybe we should uh, address a little bit of business. Ah, yes, good idea. We haven't been doing episodes for a long time. Right. And uh, and we're, we're back. We're happy to announce that we have two episodes forthcoming and hopefully more after that. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should mention the fact that Kelly Hardcastle-Jones, the co-creator of Sound Sausage, is no longer a host on the show. Because she got a job in public radio. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the, the great white whale that we didn't <laughs> think existed. Uh, it, she, she's, uh, she's doing a great job uh, down in the States on Backstory Radio, which is uh, a history show. Mm-hmm. Sounds interesting. I, I, I want to hear more about it from her. Maybe she'll uh, drop by and, and give us a lowdown on how to produce a history show for radio. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. All right, JP. So you interviewed Veronica Simmons. Um, what's her story? Well, Veronica has been, until recently, a uh, Halifax-based producer and audio artist. She recently moved to Toronto, and we've actually become uh, colleagues on this project, The Tale of a Town, which uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about in a, in a future episode. But what I spoke to Veronica about was a library-based project that uh, she did back in Halifax, where she set up a recording booth right in the in the atrium of the library and got people to uh, tell her stories about how the libraries affected their lives and, and things like that. And this was uh, all destined for an interactive website. So it's a, a different venue, you know, compared to podcasting or public radio or, or community radio. Did she get hired to do that project or how did that go? I spoke to Veronica about the the process of of getting paid for this work, and um, it turns out she applied for a, a grant and was was successful in in getting a grant. Um, it wasn't the first grant she applied for or that she sort of designed the project for initially, but um, yeah, she's she's been successful in getting grants for this project and and others. So wow. I was really curious to find out how she does that because uh, mm-hmm. that's that's not a world I'm super familiar with. Yeah, she has to get up and go. Yes, she does. <laughs> and yeah, just the idea of blazing new uh, new paths with uh, with online audio. And then listeners should stay tuned for our discussion of Bradio, her braiding radio mashup that, mm-hmm. that she does. Uh, we talk about that for a few minutes at the end, and uh, it's definitely worth staying tuned for. Not to mention the uh, obligatory reference to Studs Terkel. Right. That's <laughs> mandatory for all discussions of public radio. Veronica Simmons, welcome to Sound Sausage. I thought maybe we could start by playing a clip from your series, Stack Stories, that we're going to be talking about. So here's Aiden, Heather, and Sabine. Because the problem was we used to take out our maximum amount, which is 60 books. And so we yeah. would take out 60 books at a time. Some, <laughs> sometimes they would, they would be so used to us, they would let us take out just a little more than 60. It's true. I'd say I'd... I'm the most absorbent reader in my class, if that makes sense. Like, I get into my book, like, 
when I read a book, I like I'm in the book. Like nothing outside of me is around me. I'm just like inside of the book. I really feel what the characters are feeling, and I hear what they're saying and stuff like that. Um, there was a time when I was there was like an hour. That was an excerpt from Veronica Simmons' stack stories. Veronica, why is this one of your favorites from the series? I, I just like loved the way that that piece sort of turned out because there was all three of them. And I feel like it, it I mean, it, it helps to think about the fact that they were all piled into this little booth and all squeezed in there. And so you can sort of hear them all sort of talking with each other. And I just found them to be like a really lovely family. I find that Aiden is, he was incredibly eloquent and had this really genuine passion for the library and for reading. And Heather, his mother, is, is yeah, I just, I thought, I thought they, they all did a great job of sort of talking through their experience of the library and how they, how they live with it. Well, it's a really interesting project. And I'm wondering, how did something like this get started? How did you, how did you get stack stories off the ground? Um, it's interesting. So what happened was, um, so I was studying transom at, at transom. And while there, I heard about a call um, that was happening here back in Halifax about a library residency program at the um, Killam Library, which is the library at Dalhousie University. And I thought, oh, that's cool to be an artist in residence in a library. That sounds like a dream. And so I proposed a project for, for that call, which was to be in the atrium, that, that building, it's a, it's a big brutalist building and they have this really large atrium. And I, my idea was to set myself up in the atrium and record people telling me about what they were researching and what they were reading and sort of bringing, bringing the library to life or getting loud in the library was kind of my idea. Um, and then that uh, didn't pan out. They they chose someone else, and he did an excellent job. But so I didn't that didn't work. Um, but then I thought I'm really keen on that idea of getting loud in the library or, or hearing the stories of the library. Um, and so then I started thinking about other libraries in the city, and and it sort of had sort of dawned on me that the Spring Garden Library, which is um, the public library downtown in Halifax, it's actually moving locations um, officially this fall. And so I was thinking, oh, like that could be an interesting opportunity, maybe collect the stories of the library, sort of honor the memories there and look forward to the future. And so I brought that proposal to the library and they were pretty into it and applied for some funding. And yeah, that's sort of how it got going. Nice. Um, I'm curious about the funding side of things, because partly the, you know, the the instinct to, to do something interesting and creative with with audio is 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 there for a lot of us. But then actually realizing it and actually getting paid for it is is a different thing altogether. Um, how, how did you approach getting funding for this? Um, so I, I, I guess I started looking at the various funding partners that are available in my province and in my city. And I actually I first applied to um, the city and it was not successful. And I found their process was like not very, uh, just didn't seem very accessible to me as an independent producer. They were more looking for people who were already sort of affiliated with an organization or who were themselves some kind of organization. And so it's hard being an independent person to be like, I'm just one guy, but I'm legitimate and worthy of you. So yeah, so then I ended up applying to the province um, through an, a funding body called Arts Nova Scotia, and they have funding available to individuals. And it, it was a grant called the Grant to Individuals, and um, and they have they're also really wonderful because I find with all of these funding bodies, it's really worth it to contact the program officer. There's a person whose job it is just to sit there all day long and field questions from people just like us. 
So it was really helpful to connect with the program officer and be like, this is what I'm doing. Uh, is this a project that might fit within your mandate? And, um, and yeah, and then I just put, put together a, a proposal and that worked out. And so, so how did the story collection actually work as far as the, you had a booth in the library. How did you, how did you set that up and, and how did it work for, for people who are interested in sharing? Um, so there's an organization in town here called the Center for Art Tapes. And when I was getting going with this project, I just happened to have a conversation with someone who worked there about how they had this extra recording booth just um, in their storage facility. And I thought, well, that's very convenient. Mm-hmm. And they were actually moving to a new location. So they were like, you want it? You got it. And that was that. Um, so it was originally built, this booth was built to be a video recording project. I don't know if that project actually ever happened, but uh, I got to benefit from its existence. And so it's like, yeah, this sort of like eight, you know, eight by three foot uh, cubicle with a divider down the middle. So I would be sort of on one side and then people would sort of walk in and see me through a little window on the other side. Hmm. And because of that setup and because people couldn't really see who I was, it was really important for me not to always just be sitting in the booth, but to sort of be reaching out uh, and trying to lure people in uh, who are sitting quietly just trying to do their own thing in the library. And so it was kind of hard because, you know, the library is a it's a place of quiet reflection and people are very much in their own zones. And I feel like part of the project that was so interesting was sort of finding out what the balance is between public and private space and the library being very public and yet everyone there being completely entitled to having very private moments. And so, you know, part of luring people in was having to respect that as well. And something that was really helpful was having a really strong partner in the library and really strong partners with the the women, uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't say people, but I think they were all women who <laughs> work in the reference department um, where I was stationed. So um, Norma was, was a, a real pal of mine. She's one of the librarians that works there. And she was really good at knowing who the regulars are and people who might have good stories. And, and then she would sort of, you know, go and contact them and sort of wheel them in. Wow. And and how did people react to, to you or, or Norma approaching them and saying, do you have any, you know, would you like to come in this booth and, and share your stories? It must have been nerve wracking for, for you to approach people, but also also for them coming in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a bit of hesitancy, like, what is this about? What is this for? Um, but But sort of after that initial hesitancy, I feel like People just love the library and it really doesn't take much to get people talking about their love of the library and their love of that space and what it's meant for them. Um, So, I mean, there's always the shy guys, but but really it it wasn't too much effort to sort of scratch beneath the surface there and, and get people talking about their love. And, and, you know, there were times when there were like almost a lineup outside and, and I sort of, I did have a bit of scheduling. Like there were certain Mm. people that I, uh, I sort of reached out to and wouldn't plan them in, but yeah, it was, it was really wild to see. And I mean, mostly people were sort of thrown off by the booth. Like, what is this thing? What are you doing in here? Mm -hmm. But once you got talking about, you know, sort of the content and, what has this library been for you and what are your memories here? And when was the first time? Everyone remembers their first time going to that building because it, it, it's, it's yeah, it's just a special place. And, and so the, the finished project features 16 uh, stories and, and portraits on the website, and they're all sort of edited down to one or one to three minutes, I guess. Um, what You recorded a lot more than that, though, didn't you? Definitely. Yeah, I actually, I think altogether I, I had about 40 people come in. 
Um, so yeah, it was a bit, it was definitely a hard task to try to wheedle that list down. And I, I ended up using a, a bit of a structure. Like I, I had some, uh, sort of a rubric of what I wanted to make sure that I was covering with, cause I knew I had sort of chosen that number 16 early on because uh, I was working with this web designer named Lucas Steinman. And we had sort of come up with that visual of the site of using sort of the library's windows as a, a portrait for each person. So I knew that 16 would be the ideal. And so I knew that in my mind. And then I went through sort of looking for, I wanted people who are telling stories specifically about the library space and not so much just libraries in general, but sort of rooting it back to that building. And I wanted to have a diversity of voices and a diversity of age and of gender. Um, I think that those were sort of the sort of touchstones that I used. And yeah, and then I try to sort of honor those other stories. I mean, it's hard because I mean, it was so generous of so many people to come in and give me their stories. And it was really hard just to only show so many. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in the days leading up to the launch of that website, I actually would share images um, on the Facebook page and on Twitter. And then just little quotes from the people who didn't necessarily make it into the final project, but just sort of to share some of their sentiments with people. Hmm. And I, I mean, what what kind of what kind of stories or, or things did people tell you? Because I, I feel like often when when I go into an interview, I've maybe had the chance to do a pre-interview or some research, and I know I know what the sort of nugget of of the story is that I want to get out of it. But but having sort of strangers just come into the booth, I mean, did did people have? Um, I, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, are not the greatest natural storytellers. Um, so was it hard to, to sort of tease out some some sort of narrative or that sort of reflective? I mean, you you got uh, the the 16 that you ended up with are, are great and, and have that quality, but um, what what else did you get and, and was it difficult? Yeah, like there were definitely some, like it, it's hard. It totally is hard. And I feel like exactly what you described is true. Like usually in my life as a journalist, I'm, you know, thinking about a story, seeking out someone specifically because I know they can tell me that story and then sort of knowing exactly what kind of questions to ask them to get get into that. And that's hard work to do even when you know what the story is. Um, and, and it was also hard because I was coming from this, you know, a kind of general standpoint where I'm just saying, you know, tell me a story about this place. When was the first time you came here? I feel like if I was to do it again, I think I would try to refine some of those questions to try to get more stories out of people. Right. Um, Because it was easy. I feel like like it was easy to get a lot of sentiment and a lot of uh, like general ideas and feelings about the library. But a sort of beginning, middle, end story is is a lot harder to to get at. And like people would say wonderful things, just like a line. You know, this woman came in and she just said, oh, just the freshest drinking water in the city. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, like, and for me, like, that's just like, that's wonderful. You know, but it's not, it's not really a story, but it's also, it's just like beautiful. It's, it's nice to think about using the library as your drinking trough, you know? Right. (laughs) That's great. I mean, what else did, did you have any like strange experiences or or other sort of weird, weird things that people told you or, or great things that you weren't able to include in the, in the final project? Oh yeah. Like, like one that was pretty good that I didn't end up including because, you know, it's it's still a part of the library's website, right? So they want everything to be pretty PG. But um, but there was a story of a guy who uh, who likes to go and make out up in this secret stairwell. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty scandalous. Like that's sort of like that's his great. place where he takes the ladies. <laughs> so any any final words of wisdom about uh, what you've learned from doing this project? 
it's it's just been like a total it's been a real dream to be able to have an idea and bring it to fruition like that and i and i really recommend to anybody to just like seek out the funding opportunities around you and uh and make it all come true definitely um so tell me about radio your your it's it's a crazy uh, radio show to me <laughs> to me the the idea of it I, I i would never have thought that it would uh that it would work and i never would have thought of it period so so tell us what is what is bradio okay so bradio is my radio show that i do bi-weekly on ckdu 88.1 fm here in halifax and it's a show where i braid hair live on air um so it's me standing at the microphone. So it's funny, like whenever I walk into the studio, there's a certain thing that I have to do where I always move the host chair and then wheel around or sort of spin around the the second microphone that would be for a guest on the other side of the booth. And, and then I sort of put a little stool down where then I sort of bring my Brady sits on that little stool with the microphone for themselves. And then I'm standing above them with a microphone for me. And then really what happens is usually I just ask them to tell me a little bit about their day, a little bit about who they are, what work they do. Maybe they're a musician or an artist or something. And then we just vibe. Then we just start chatting Mm -hmm. about their hair, their lives. Um, And then, you know, it's usually some sort of theme will come out about the kind of work they do or what's up with them. And then I'll sort of try to braid them a braid that represents that theme somehow, usually. (laughs) How, what, what, what is it? As as someone with very short hair, I don't know a lot about the braiding world. Um, what is a, a thematic braid? Uh, how do you how do you convey sort of a theme with a with a braid? Um, let me think. Okay, so I once I so recently I had um, two different biologists on the show, and they were both blonde biologists, which I thought was great because I just really like alliteration. Um, and they were sort of talking about you know just the scale of life and how you know, like the the micro world is just as fascinating, if not more fascinating than the really macro world. And so I and so I ended up braiding into her hair. This is uh, Catherine Abreu. She's a evolutionary biologist by training, but a sort of climate change person by trade. Um, anyways, and she was, yeah, just sort of that scale of life thing. So I ended up braiding really tiny little braids like maybe like six teeny guys. And then I braided all of those teeny guys into one larger braid, bit of a fractal braid, which I didn't even think of at the time. But yeah, it was a bit of a fractal braid. <laughs> nice. And so what, I mean, how does, how does uh, manipulating your interviewee's hair change the interview process? I think that, yeah. Well, one, one of my inspirations is definitely Nardwar, the human serviette. I don't know if you know about yeah. him. I'm familiar. You're familiar? Yeah. Okay. So what always struck me about him and I've always loved his interviews. And I think it's because he's, he does this all of this incredible research into the person that he's talking to and then just gifts them, like really strategic gifting that just sort of melts people. I feel like it just like breaks down their facade. And I feel like it's so easy when you're talking to a musician or an artist. You know, they've talked about their art so much and they always end up sort of defaulting into those same stories. But there's something about the way that he just would gift people and then they would just say new things. And I feel like that's sort of what I'm trying to do with Bradio is get people out of their zone and into this like much more intimate, much more personal space where they end up saying things that they might not have actually thought of yet. Um, that's also a line. I don't know. There's a line from Studs Terkel. I, I don't know who told it to me once where, you know, he finished an interview and then he played it back to the interviewee. 
And she listened back to it and just said, oh man, I didn't know I felt that way. I feel like that's like, that's sort of like the, that's the gold star, right? Like, I feel like that would be the ideal is to talk to someone and come to some new understanding through that conversation and have a fresh conversation. And no one really knows what radio is about or what the deal is. And so it's always new and interesting for everybody. I, f- I find, or I'm always getting a kick out of it. All right, so that's it for another episode of Sound Sausage. Thanks to Veronica Simmons for talking with us. You can find Veronica's project, Stack Stories, at halifaxpubliclibraries.ca slash stackstories. Stay tuned for the next episode of Sound Sausage when we talk with Fraser Lavender, who's starting a Toronto-based internet radio station featuring local content, DJs, and spoken word stuff as well. So looking forward to that. Sound Sausage is a production of the Canadian Sound and Story Workshop. You can find us on Facebook. We have a really vibrant Facebook group with a lot of great audio discussion. Yes, facebook.com slash groups slash radio workshop. Or you can just search Canadian Sound and Story Workshop on Facebook. And if you have a show idea, send us an email at sausage at soundstory.ca. Thanks for listening. You can find Veronica you can find Veronica's project Stack Stories at Halifax Public Library. You can find you can find You want me to help you want some help, yeah. JP? Sure. It's Halifax <laughs> <laughs> You know help. <laughs> okay. Halifaxpubliclibraries.ca slash stack stories. Libraries? Or library? Plural. Uh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's take it from the top. <laughs> <laughs>